Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. We're back in the Dungeon of Doom. The gang is all here. Uh, I am very excited to talk about New French Extremity. I know a little bit of French. Um, I studied abroad in France. Um, ça va? Comment ça va? <laughs> Comment t'appelles-tu? Dave, this was your, you wanted to do this episode. How did you get introduced to this sort of subgenre and what does it mean to you? My introduction to French horror would have to be Pepe Le Pew from Looney Tunes was the ultimate French horror antagonist because <laughs> he would like wait around the corner with a wooden mallet. <laughs> For this cat who, you know, I feel like I have to explain this, uh, got paint spilled on it and it looked like a skunk. He was not a French whore. I didn't he say was, whore. I said French he was whore. A simple skunk who looking took a fancy love. looking for love in all the wrong places. Same old story. Uh, we've seen it a million times. And it is my least favorite Looney Tunes character of all time, most of my childhood of watching Looney Tunes is wishing that the Pepe Le Pew part could end and get back to something a lot more entertaining. Well, it's also very insulting that they portray a French person as a skunk. <laughs> like, oh, the stinky a chauvinistic, one. stalking, rapey skunk. <laughs> is it racist? I knew it, it as might a be. child. Oh, it is. It's yeah. racist. Yeah, Pepe. Are you, you, Kat, you familiar with Pepe Le Pew? Yes. He's Are you a fan of his work? I wouldn't say so. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I got, got him Hot tattooed take, right yeah. here. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it's funny because, you know, that growing up, we like, that was very commonplace. Like, Pepe Le Pew, oh, he's fine. He's just trying to rape this cat. <laughs> I don't know. Garbage. I think that's kind of what I liked about the new French extremity movement is that, uh, you know, the monsters, there are no monsters, first of all. The monsters in French film are mental illness, revenge, uh, sexual depravity or obsession. And it shows like the scariest, most uh, vulgar side of, of, you know, humans. And to me, that's scarier. Uh, I keep bringing up again and again uh, my distaste for bad special effects. Um, and I feel like they only use special effects when needed. And if there is some sort of creature or monster, it's a manifestation of someone's dream or mental illness. Uh, so that's why I think I'm drawn to these. And also the non-linear storylines, they always take something taboo and not just allude to it, but show it unflinchingly until you know you want to look away you the the grime from french movies like sticks to you i i think it's it's a very visionary genre and i think in general uh a lot of the art that that comes from the french tends to be uh, a little darker this is a, a wave of filmmaking that started loosely around the year 2000 um that is transgressive uh, to say the least uh graphic and pushed the envelope uh, even of what you would expect uh, art house or underground at the time and even movies uh, that might not be considered quote-unquote horror um, a lot of the movies of of new french extremity even if they're not 
uh, blatantly horror, they sort of play with these tropes and, and conventions and kind of rework them into other areas. But what, what we're concerned with really is, is the straight dope here, new French extremity horror. I've always found French movies to be overall the most twisted, uh, even, even the not horror ones, like even like French comedies are really messed up. So this, this to me was like a big part of my uh, discovery and appreciation of foreign films in general sort of in, introduced me in some ways to, um, you know, subtitles are fine. You, you can, there's like all these movies out there in the world, literally the world, that you can watch that are doing amazing stuff. I got to do a big RIP to Videoport, mm-hmm. um, a institution, a former institution, a local indie video rental store here in the other Portland. I would never have known about any of this stuff if it wasn't for Videoport because they were like staffed by very serious movie people. And I was in there all the time. And I started with very pedestrian stuff. I've been a huge movie fan my whole life. My family always went to the movies. We've talked about that. But, um, you know, you go, you would go in there and the person at the counter has your whole history right there. And they have French and foreign uh, and indie movies. They have it in the same display as like the the blockbusters. They would have them right next to each other. So you would you would be in there looking at whatever the movie of the day is, and then you would see something like what's Martyrs? What is this? And when you're renting and you're returning, the the staff are saying, oh, what, what did you think of, of this? Oh, you like that? Well, let me tell you, if you like that, have you ever heard of this movie? Have you ever heard of like that director? Um, and, you, and you're like trading notes with them on a, on a very a personal level. That's not. It's really not. You can't really replicate that with uh, with an algorithm. Not to get too uh, old time with it, but that's how I got into all this stuff, um, and and really broadened my horizons. I didn't know that I could watch like amazing French horror movies or movies from any other country for that matter. Uh, if it wasn't for that independent brick and mortar uh, video store, Kevin, you actually own physical copies of most of the movies that we watched for this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're sitting on them. I know <laughs> it's very crazy, but um, how how did you discover this stuff, and 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 why do you love it so much that you own these films? Yeah, I mean, so in my twenties, I think like all of us. And I, I'm 40, so I'm dating myself here. But we all collected DVDs like they were, you know, going out of style. And, you know, one day I just realized I need to to trade in all these DVDs. So we have a local shop called Bull Moose that will buy back your stuff. And it was interesting because when, when Dave said, okay, let's do this and let's pick these movies, I realized I physically owned all of them except for Climax, uh, which is which is very new. And I thought it was funny. Why did I keep these movies? Because I kept very few DVDs. Uh, I did a lot of, you know, Texas Chainsaw and some of the classics that I have. But um, I think it was because back in 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 oh three oh four, whenever High Tension came out in the U.S., um, it was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. But it wasn't. You know, it was sort of. We've talked about how some of the reasons that you know Trent, Dave, myself have delved hard into horror, and we should pro- probably apologize to Cat for what we did to her this week um, <laughs> is to push it. How far can you take it? And this new French extremity subgenre was literally like, 
oh, you want to know how far we can push it? Well, here you go. Um, and I think, you know, with High Tension and some of the movies that we'll talk about, there was an American quality. They were definitely riffing off of some of some of our classic horror movies. Um, but I'm the type of person, when I watch a movie for the first time, I very rarely take back things like quotes. I don't honestly really even remember the movie. I only remember the way I felt. And these movies, what I found is it was awesome to keep going back. I've, I've watched all of these movies multiple times because, it, at least for me personally, I don't get into like a lot of the political or the undertones the first time I watch it. I'm merely experiencing it. And I remember being exhausted after a lot of these movies and curious and wanting to go back, you know, to say, okay, what, what did I miss now? Like what, what are the political undertones? What are the societal things that are going on? What's the human study that's happening here? Um, and this genre for me, all the films for the most part tend to do that. Hi, cat. Hi. <laughs> Bonjour, cat. <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> Comment <t 'as> <laughs> Yeah, it's been a really long week for me personally, watching all these movies. Um, I have absolutely no background in watching French horror. So I ripped the Band-Aid off and <laughs> went right into it. And I got to say, big wow. That's what I'll say. It was, I think, listening to what uh, Dave had to say about how there really is no monster, how it's all people. You know, there's no horrifying being like walking around just like normal people. And I, I think maybe that's what fucked me up the most. Uh, there's a lot of like women on women violence in these films that we watched, which is very interesting to me because you don't see that all the time. It's usually, you know, like a dude running around and fucking shit up. But nobody talks more shit about women and is more undercutting of women than women. In my just in my experience, like half of my life, I feel like I've spent trying to convince one woman that this other woman doesn't hate her and is not trying to undercut her, and I, I always have to like, ah, oh, no, she wasn't laughing at you. She's she's fine. You'll get to know her. It's good. And I, to me, that's like a constant tension. Is yeah. like I have to mediate these relationships, and I don't really get it most of the time. Uh, like, what are all the problems coming up, and mm -hmm. all the the backstabbing and the insults and all stuff. So I thought that inside and <laughs> in, in some of these movies. I thought kind of played with that, like, okay, you think it's going to be Freddy or Jason coming uh, to terrorize the woman, but actually it's just this other woman. You know, I hate to, to generalize, but never once has Kevin been like, <laughs> that bastard just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like the dirty look is, is a big part of uh, it like sure is. <laughs> I, I have had to explain away so many random looks that I like. Right. No, I'm I'm almost positive that look was like at mm -hmm. the fire uh, truck or something. Not at you, cat. I could um, on the spot trying to think of why you know women relationships are that way. I guess maybe constantly being told you have to compete with each other, you know, mm -hmm. to get the man, to get the job, to get whatever. Um, Growing up, I was a tomboy because my dad really wanted a boy. So that was the life that was chosen for me, apparently. And I was just always like friends with a bunch of dudes. And looking back, it's fucking exhausting thinking about, you know, I'm just one of the guys. Like, I'm not like other girls, hashtag. Like, it's garbage. But like 
that's how you like get along basically is you put down you know you're oh i'm not like them i'm not, i like black and i like rock music i don't wear <laughs> short skirts i'm not taylor swift like you know maybe after all these french movies maybe they were right all along Maybe that dirty look was like, I'm going to take a fucking pair of scissors to this bitch. <laughs> That's the look that she got. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. Bonjour. In the movie, uh, in Climax, when the lesbian says to her girlfriend, like, I don't find you unattractive, you're just boring. <laughs> like, I was like, Ouch. real talk. I yeah. felt that so many times. <laughs> I feel like I would thrive socially in France. So we watched a bunch of movies uh, again. I, I think we can jump right into High Tension, uh, 2003, Alexandre Adja. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to pronounce any name right, so I'm just going to – I don't know. I think Alexandre Adja. No, that's good. Um, I, I don't love it as much now, but my experience with that movie was like I kept seeing it at the video store and being like, what is this? I don't know what this is. Um, but when I watched it, it was kind of mind blowing, and that, that's probably that's definitely the first one of any of these movies and any of the the movies of this genre that I've seen since. Definitely, High Tension I think was the first one, and I was like, "Holy shit! Wait, what is going on here? What is this? I am all about it." Um, it was kind of shocking. You know, even I'm, I was I'm a seasoned gorehound at this point. It's not like I was. 15 when I saw this. I was a full, you know, grown-ass man. And uh, I will never forget bringing home high attention and being like, this is some next level. Yeah, I mean, I'd heard about it from bloodydisgusting.com, which is a website that I've just diehard faithful to. Um, and this is back when, well, I guess you still can get DVDs from Netflix, but I did a lot, and I couldn't wait for Netflix to have this. So I had it delivered to the house um, and again, like we were, we were talking about picking these movies. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to watch high tension again. Cause that opening sequence, you know, was so brutal. And then I watched it. The opening sequence is 45 minutes long. It's half of the movie. Like they literally don't leave the house until you're 50% done with the entire film. Um, and that to me is pretty impressive because if you think about most American movies, they're chopped up and like you're getting right, you're doing like the scream intro and then you're flashing to this and it's almost like a music video. And for me to think of this as like an opening sequence that it was just this casual 10 minute opener, it was 45 minutes. Um, and like you said, I love the brutality. It is definitely not something um, that I don't think I was prepared for. I'd seen plenty of gore, um, but you know, the dresser, to the head <laughs> was, yeah. I mean, that even had me being like, oh, and a lot of these movies too, like 
I think in almost all of the movies that we picked, and, and and some of the some of us did some extra credit. I mean, they're killing like the family pet right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you know, an American movie. Nah, man. The you you oh, would the see the dog. It. You'd the see the dog. Um, I think what? no. I think that if the pet gets it, you know, you are in for a serious ride. Yeah, that's that's kind of even still. I think kind of a a line in American cinema. Yeah. If if, if high tension was made in America, you would have seen the dog like run off into the cornfield. But, you know, Alexander Aja is just like, nope, that dog's fucking dead. And you know what? So is the kid. And I mean, it's, you know, all these movies have sort of, um, like you talked cat about woman on woman violence, but there's also no holds barred. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're a baby or a child or a snake or (laughs) a friggin' gerbil, you're done. This also this also flipped. I I kind of have to spoil it, but uh, this is an old it. movie, seventeen so, years old. Yeah. Um. So you know, you think the whole time it's this gross redneck in his truck that's that's tormenting everyone, but it's not. It's it's the girl's you know alter ego and how she uh, kind of deals with it seems like jealousy it seems like she's mm-hmm. in love with the other character in in retrospect that distraction character of the serial killer which is like i mean at the time i'm taking it all very um literally and like early in the movie he's filleting himself with a severed head that, <laughs> that he was throws sad. out of the truck <laughs> but when you go back you realize like this is supposed to be very ridiculous and again they're playing with with the tropes of American horror cinema, mm-hmm. like right in your face, but you don't even know it because mm-hmm. you haven't seen anything like this. And so you're just like, man, this this serial killer seems pretty crazy. <laughs> so, the, so the movie, I guess, is is about um, two friends coming home, two women coming home from college, visiting. Well, one of them is going home and bringing a friend with her, and allegedly this serial killer shows up and decimates the family kidnaps uh the the girl whose family was just murdered and the other girl is following along and trying to rescue her the entire time but what you actually find out at the end is that this girl was just severely mentally ill and was actually the one killing everybody the whole time the twist made no sense i didn't think the twist made any fucking sense all these notes i took the entire movie (laughs) are now null and void like just thinking back and i love twists i'm a slut for twists absolutely but like going back like where did the truck come from then if she was the killer the whole time where did she get all these weapons what was up with the dude having the head suck on his dick it's not a twist it like, is no it, it's not you're not supposed to not ask those questions and it's not a literal twist that's my my understanding when i watch it now especially much more than then mm-hmm. because at the time i thought the same thing too like oh you could drive his truck through this plot hole that's part of the thing uh the, the point i think to me anyway as he's not expecting you to buy any of this as a literal plot twist it's just kind of it's french what can i say i think they could have done it better i, f- I felt like that was a a cop out. I don't know. I wasn't crazy about high tension. I also don't understand the name. What does the name have to do with the rest Well, it was of the released movie? in the UK as like Switchblade Romance. Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys want me to get nerdy for a minute? Yeah, yeah let's see. I can. So, Alexander Aja, uh, this is his kind of coming out party. Since then, he's done films like The Hills Have Eyes remake, which we all enjoyed. He did Mirrors, which was an American remake of a J horror film, which I thought was terrible. Um, Piranha 3D. No. 
Um, but more recently, he did Horns, which I don't know if you've seen that. It's a Joe Hill novel, Stephen King's son. And Aja directed that. He also worked on uh, with Joe Hill making the screenplay, you know, cohesive for the screen. Um, and then the most recent movie he had was Crawl, which is The Alligator, which I have not seen. Uh, I am looking forward to it. But I think, you know, I think Aja ended up sort of becoming a little overrated after he did High Tension, which, again, I, I don't understand the name. And I'm not I'm not really sure what his legacy is going to be because um, it's a very interesting roller coaster ride of movies that he has produced and directed. He, he seems like less of a, a purist than some of the other directors. He seems like maybe he had dreams of of making more Hollywood type movies because mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely where he went with it. Um, and now he just kind of blends in with the background of American horror to me. Mm-hmm. And this uh, high tension also does that for me. It just kind of it blends in a little bit. There's some twists. There's a little. It's a little bit graphic, but uh, I think compared to the other movies we watched this week, uh, it's it's almost light fare. I, I thought it was by far the least serious and the one that I felt most disconnected from. Now, having not seen it since back then, I, I didn't care for it that much. But I felt like it certainly has its place in this wave of movies, and there's a certain Je ne sais quoi. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I, I would like to just bring up one last thing about high tension um, to get nerdy. So Dean Koontz, who is an uh, American horror author, horror uh, author, <laughs> he released a book called Intensity in 1995, 1996. And Alex Aja has been lambasted that he ripped off high tension from this. The... The Dean Koontz book has two college friends going home to visit one of their families. A serial killer breaks in and slaughters the family, kidnaps one of them. The other one is in pursuit. They stop at a gas station. The serial killer kills two clerks. It's only one in high tension, so I guess Aja oh, got away there. Different. And then, and then the the friend pursuing steals the gas station clerk's car and continues pursuit. The the similarities sort of end there, sort of. But Aja admitted he read the book before he wrote the script for High Tension. So I mean, I, when I found that out, it may, and I've actually read the the book Intensity. I love Dean Koontz. Um, when I found that out, I was I lost a little bit of respect there. I mean, it doesn't doesn't sound all that original anymore. Well, if nothing else, uh, this director maybe opened the door so that some of these other directors that we really love mm-hmm. could have a platform. Um, the next one we watched uh, chronologically would be Inside from 2007. Kat, you're fresh out of Inside right yeah. now as mm-hmm. we speak. Give us your take. Um, I started immediately stressed out. As soon as I saw that baby's expression, like where it like made a face in the womb. That was Dave. In, that was in you? utero model. I, I that was one of the look, movies he did. You look great. I was uh, actually terrifying. the only in utero model uh, th- there ever was. All of them are Dave. <laughs> I love it. It was just so horrifying to me because people really do that in real life. I think that's what got me is that there are so many you know cases of women trying to steal other women's babies, whether or not they're trying to cut it out of them or wait until they've pushed it out. I feel like that woman probably should have just waited until the baby got born. Would it seem like an easier thing to do? But <laughs> kidnap, kidnap it after that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No. 
go through all the trouble breaking in, getting those scissors out. Oh, the scissors yeah. in that belly button really Oof. fucked me up. Carving uh, a, a baby out of the womb to steal, that's mm-hmm. happened many times. That's yeah. that's real news. And I think oh, that's we'll why it was scary. It. Yeah, because it was like, you know, it's not this... It's not this ghoul that's like trying to steal your baby. It's an actual just like other human that's upset because they don't have a baby. How are they going to get one? So I think that was a very stressful aspect for me for that movie. The The whole vibe of Inside is a, it's a very simple storyline. It's a car accident. A pregnant lady loses her baby. And when this other woman that's involved in the car accident becomes pregnant this lady somehow feels like she deserves this baby that's her baby and she's just spending the whole movie trying to get this baby out of this pregnant woman's stomach yeah she's like you don't even want this baby i know you don't want this baby your husband's dead i need this baby it for me it was probably the scariest Mm -hmm. um i've I've, i'll talk about this it's not on the show and i apologize i have a real soft spot for the strangers in that for some reason it's one of the movies that scared the crap out of me the most and there's elements of inside particularly when the woman because you never even know her name shows up at sarah's house and to me it's the most terrifying thing she's just knocking on the door and sarah's like my husband's sleeping and the woman is like no your husband's dead open the door and you know she unscrews the light bulbs that you can't see her like it just scares the crap out of me and then she goes to the back patio to a sliding glass door lights up a cigarette so all you can see is this tiny silhouette of her face and i mean i get goosebumps now just talking but for some reason inside scared me more than some of the more graphic movies that we watch and by the way inside is graphic it is mm-hmm. bloody Ooh. uh one of the one of the traditions that kind of runs through the new extremity i think starts uh with inside also them uh and some others first of all the home invasion it it is a big part of it but going back now there's a lot of to me there's a lot of uh of national political commentary in these movies and we're almost i feel like feeling some of the the wave that they were dealing with back then now because there's a lot of this uh replacement fear going on there's a lot of the other a lot of them seem to be concerned with the other person is going to invade your home uh be take your baby be the next baby and that is a part and parcel of if you look at the um the far the european fascist far right and the the european white supremacy movement it's it's all about these people are coming in here they're going to replace us. They're going to take your baby. They're going to invade your home. They're going to do all these terrible things. And I, I thought Inside really was the first one that started to sort of make that commentary a little bit. One of the movies that we watched, and this brings us up to 2008, is what I would consider the Jaws of <laughs> New French Extremity, the movie that every plebe and newbie mentions to you every time the topic goes to crazy horror movies or if you get at all foreign with it everybody says have you seen martyrs i mean that movie blew me away cat you told me that you cried i'd like to hear more oh yeah i cried at martyrs so it starts off with you know two girls that have been abused in one way or another 
and then it flashes forward to one woman then get trying to get revenge or try to get some kind of closure you know for said abuse um leads to some weird shit after that i would say there's like a weird society that wants to find one woman to be quote-unquote martyred and then somehow find out what lies beyond death you know what's in the afterlife to then tell all these old white people you know what happens after you die the part that fucking got me was when this poor woman had finally just fucking given up and she had accepted her fate that this is what she was doing now and she was just so defeated and just relating back to like domestic violence you know it's just that face of defeat you know you can't you can't fight back anymore and she just gets thrown over you know the dude's shoulder and like brought up to go be fucking skinned alive and i was just it was very emotional for me the weird part about the the abuse and the suffering at the end is you know it revolves around like compassion for an individual versus all of mankind and, mm -hmm. and you kind of weigh that the whole time but they're administering these uh these beatings and this torture in a very like medical professional way mm -hmm. i don't know you, you end up questioning like are they doing something that's for the greater good of all mankind is yeah. this a necessary thing to find this deity that um has the answers it is very clinical and i think one of the more transgressive things about martyrs is that when you see like a, a large muscular man you don't that often in movies see uh him just haul off and repeatedly punch a woman in the face. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, even in the most transgressive American movies, you don't really see yeah. a lot of like, yep, hey, he's just literally beating her face in with his fist for a couple minutes. It's multiple minutes. That part was horrifying. Um, and it's interesting, we talk about, you know, the, the male-female dynamic. I don't know if you guys noticed in the American remake of Martyrs, which I actually enjoyed more the second time around. Um, so in the in in Martyrs, the the French version, Pascal Logier, I think that's how you say his last name. Logier, <laughs> Logier. Logier. Pascal Logier. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Chen. So the girl that was abused when she was was young and escaped, um, then goes back years later, fifteen years later, to find the family that she thinks abused her. And the mm -hmm. whole time you're questioning whether this is legit or not. But I don't know if you guys noticed, she points out multiple times that it was the, the mother that was abusing her the most. Mm -hmm. She goes up to her body and makes her friend smell the body like, I smelled that the whole time. Mm -hmm. And also at the beginning of the film, when you when you meet this family, the mother is the one outside working on like the sewer system and getting like the hot water. So then you go to the American version, it's the dad out there in the yard listening to country music in the backhoe. <laughs> and when... <laughs> when Anna finally gets there and is like, what the hell did you do? She's pointing to the dad and being like, smell him. That's the smell that I've, I smelled for years. They just felt wow. the need to like flip this. And I think that's one of the most important aspects of the French versions of these movies is, you know, they're flipping the tropes on their heads. Because American movies are dumber. And yeah. that's why we love these French movies because they're smarter and better. They're smarter. If you, if you get my drift. Oh my God. Oh, I get it now. Smarters. Yeah, that's good. It was such an innocent realization. You just had. 
I I liked that this movie changed dynamics so many times. I think more than any other movie I've ever seen. You feel for almost every character at one point in this movie. I mean, except for maybe that man who's administering the beating that you don't really get to know. He's just a <laughs> fist that shows up every once in a while to get yeah. the beat down. The Mademoiselle. Uh, she says, you know, there are there are few heroic, strong people on earth because everyone these days is a victim. And that it, it becomes more and more rare that one of these extraordinary martyrs is found among us. And they're like, you know, looking for, you know, this like Jesus character among people. They romanticize uh, the idea of suffering and, and you are a such a special person that we're going to skin you alive so that you can see uh, what is beyond our mortality. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and holding her in a high regard while destroying her uh, systematically over time. Hmm. Yeah, so the, the word martyr, um, the, the actual definition is a person killed because of their religious beliefs. But in this, it's going more towards the Greek word martis, which means witness. Pushing them to the point where they can witness the afterlife while they're still alive. Lucy, the person who's, you know, was abused in this dungeon before she went to uh, an orphanage and that's where she met Anna. Uh, so she was in this dungeon and she escaped. She like she like smashes her up and, and runs out. But on her way out, she sees a equally as tortured, if not more so older woman and she doesn't do anything to help her escape and just, you know, runs out the door, which seems relatable. You know, if you're in that situation, I can't say that I would, you know, try to then rescue someone else to go out like you. It's, empathy is hard to put yourself in these horror situations. But she is constantly haunted by the ghost of, of that woman. Um, and so she thinks that by murdering the, this family that she's no longer going to be tortured by this ghost. And so it all comes to a kind of climax um, in that she doesn't understand why this ghost is still following her. She just killed all this family. And then Anna comes around and sees, you know, Lucy basically like cutting herself up. But what Lucy sees is this ghost murdering her, basically. I, I thought one of the one of the most effective scenes is the when she uh, takes vengeance on the family mm -hmm. because the way it's set up at that point in the, in the movie, you don't really know what's going on if she's a reliable narrator mm -hmm. or not. And so <laughs> the way you experience it is just, there's this family having breakfast with the child and whatnot. And she just goes in and slaughters them. Yeah. And you're sort of thinking like, she's maybe the bad guy here. You don't really know what's going on. And then the basement, that was uh, really powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it goes to, I mean, Dave, you talked about the mental illness aspect of these movies and that martyrs really hit it home for me with the monster or the ghosts that, as you referred to it. This is a byproduct of her torture. Mm -hmm. This is what came out of her torture. And she was probably heading that way because of what they did to her as a little girl. But then just seeing the other woman that was being held captive as she's leaving, mm -hmm. just that was a three second interaction in her life. And it stayed with her and ultimately was her demise. Yeah, it was like survivor guilt. The martyr, Anna, is drawn to the victim. And she does have extreme empathy for her and 
uh, I, I was just wondering if that is that one of the the qualities of a martyr or a special higher being or a deity is that aspect of compassion for someone who has suffered. Yeah, I mean, I think in the French version, I, I felt, and, and you guys, please let me know if I'm wrong. I felt like there was a relationship between them, uh, like a, a lover relationship, that oh, they were okay. lovers. Um, because at some point, you know, Anna calls her mother, and it's actually a really heartbreaking scene in the film where she's mm -hmm. like, please, mom, I need you right now. Mm. Oh. And her mother is like, <laughs> you're still with her, aren't you? Yeah. And to flip it back to the American version, they wipe that whole aspect away. They're just like buddies that like, you know, hey, they were like college roomies or something. That's a great point. I um, caught yeah. that too. You know, I wish we had time to get into uh, frontiers and trouble every day. And this is a, a wide field. Yeah. Uh, that we're, we're not purporting to, to cover all, but just trying to hit sort of some of the highlights. But, but one thing that stands out to me now, having already been a huge fan uh, of this whole wave of filmmaking. When I go back now, I realize like a lot of stuff that was lost on me at the time when I first saw these movies, I was watching them a little bit more literally and a, and a little bit more passively. And it's interesting to go back and see so much of the stuff that was going on that I, you know, I, and I loved, I loved them, but I still didn't really get the half of it. Lastly, we, Watched Climax 2018. Um, it was my favorite horror movie of 2018. It was Dave's favorite horror movie of 2018. Uh, and maybe my favorite horror movie since. There's a lot going on in that. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of Climax? There's actually very little going on in that movie. It's incredibly simple. It's based on an actual statement given to the police. So it's like pretty much verbatim what the police report was. So you get a lot of these horror movies that are based on true events that are, you know, wildly exaggerated, um, where I had read that this was as to the police report uh, that was given as as possible. So Gaspar No, who's done plenty of movies, I don't think we need to get into that, or one of you guys can. He had a really hard time uh, with this movie because they're actually all dancers. So the, the premise of the movie is it's a dance troupe. They've just completed, um, I think, a rigorous week of rehearsals, and now they're having a party. They're all staying at this school, kind of a Suspiria vibe. Um, and everybody in the movie, with the exception of um, Sophia Butella, I think I'm saying that right, um, who is a dancer but had acting experience. Everybody else in the movie is actually a dancer with no previous acting experience. And Gaspar No actually only had a five-page script for this movie. So most of what you see is just him directing. And I don't know if you guys noticed, one of the things I loved about the movie is there are these long, continuous shots. Um, all of the dancing was improvised except for the opening number, which I thought was super cool. I love the movie, but it is, it's a difficult watch. It's a really difficult watch. Mm -hmm. it, it's emotionally draining. Um, you know, basically after the rehearsal and they're partying, somebody spikes the punch and they all start tripping balls. And it, it's just two hours or an hour and a half, however long it is, of complete descent into madness. Mm -hmm. It's either these long, flowing shots that are, you know, Gaspar No's style is to turn the camera upside down, disorient you, make you feel nauseous. And then it was cut between that 
and these really stagnant like tripod shots of like testimonials people just talking either to each other or the camera but they're just perfectly centered there's no camera motion at all and all most of the dialogue is given that way unless it's like screaming mayhem and then there's also the techno music i felt i felt like this redefined horror soundtracks because they're like it goes the whole time i know part of what makes it just thinking about it i know so even when there are people doing these testimonials talking about their aspirations in dancing or talking about like really brutal uh rapey sex stuff there's this this techno pulse going behind it the whole time and I'd literally never ever thought of techno music as scary ever before <laughs> yeah what was his name Big Daddy or something was the <laughs> yeah. DJ like, yeah, but, but the movie is also horribly horribly sexist so bad yeah just like in the testimonials and like not testimonials but in the beginning when you're kind of getting a feel for all the characters all the dudes just fucking suck like there's those two guys that are talking about butt sex for like two minutes and then but he's like wet or not you know i keep at it and i'm just like what the what and so i was like well it takes place in 1996 is when the movie is so i was like well maybe it's like a product of the times like blah 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 but then you find out that there really wasn't a script so i'm like so were these two guys just like talking about what they do in real life because that fucking sucks you said this is a very sexist movie I don't think that it's a sexist movie. I think that it has sexist characters in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that showing the horror of that is is essential. It was sort of, and maybe I'm wrong, but my take was that the drugs, the acid, whatever they were tripping on, um, brought out the real you. Mm-hmm. So I thought that as you watched all the characters and as they progressively got more fucked up from whatever was in the punch, that it was showing you who they are. I don't know if I can do this. I had my, my finger on fast forward. That's the thing to me about Climax is, uh, you know, on paper, there's nothing going on. But to me, it had the most going on out of any of these movies, really, that we've talked about. And, and makes, in my opinion, makes some of the other commentaries in some of the other films look a little a little ham-handed, a little trying too hard. This really, Climax to me, really gets at, and I think you guys are sort of hitting on it, this banality of evil. Um, you know, I don't, I don't trust a lot of people. And this kind of like affirms to me when I watch a movie like this, like, see, I fucking told you these motherfuckers are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Time to go. Yeah. Time to go. Don't try to get me to stay because I know what's happening next. And you mentioned the, uh, the punch spiking. We just uh, talked about the thing last episode. That was a very, very much to me the thing when they're trying to figure out who spiked mm-hmm. the punch and all of a sudden if they could have done a blood test, I mean they did do a blood the ultimate blood test I guess uh, in the end but I loved that part of like who spiked the punch all of a sudden yeah. these people who were you know only minutes ago having a great time they're about to strangle each other to figure out which motherfucker 
this spike the punch throwing a guy out in the in the freezing uh, cold yeah. in the middle uh, of a snowstorm just see ya because because he was the only one that didn't drink yeah that's yeah. right he was he was the top suspect because he was sober yeah <laughs> and, and then the, the woman who was pregnant was the next one because she wasn't drinking she wasn't drinking yeah mob the mob mentality of it is probably one of the scariest things in the movie i think that this movie really hits on a very particular form of, of anxiety of social anxiety where you know i'm i always sort of feel like it's going to devolve mm -hmm. whatever the situation is we're okay we did the dancing they've had to listen to a lot of very vapid conversation and pretend that i care about these terrible people and uh, entertain them and whatnot and now the drugs are coming out and pretty soon there's going to be a child locked in a utility <laughs> closet and it's going to be throats going to be slitten people are going to get raped and mm -hmm. assaulted and everybody's going to die and i i kind of feel like that a lot so to me like i was so this movie really got to me i was very depressed after watching it mm -hmm. More so than any of these. I mean, I don't usually get that depressed. I like to watch these terrible movies, obviously, but uh, it really hit me um, in, in that sense of how much harm uh, can come from such seemingly, you know, dunderheaded everyday stuff. Now it's time for the horror movie news, just when you thought the news couldn't get worse. Um, so this week, the horror movie news relates directly to one of the movies that we watched, uh, the movie Inside, about um, the tormentor trying to steal the baby. Kevin, tell us a little bit about uh, what you dug up this week. Yeah, so this is from February 17th is the last time I could get an update. But basically in Washington State, Juliet Parker, a 38-year-old woman and a 16-year-old minor who is not being named because they're a minor – uh, apparently posed as baby photographers on a Facebook group um, and were going around and offering to take pictures of, of newborns. Uh, and they were recently arrested for drugging a mother that had a 14-week-old baby, I think, and trying to steal the baby. So Juliet Parker was apparently the candidate for mayor in Colorado Springs just last year, which is insane to me, or I guess 2018 now it would be. But the, the mother herself noticed that they had been there two or three times taking pictures and they gave her a cupcake and she immediately started to feel incredibly woozy, then noticed that they were wiping down their fingerprints on anything they had touched in the house. So she immediately went for her phone to call the authorities, asked them to leave, and she realized that Juliet Parker had taken her house keys. So they were planning on leaving and coming back and stealing this baby. Um, and now other mothers are actually coming out now and saying, you know what, we had similar experiences with these people. Um, maybe not as far as the drugging, I'm not sure yet. This, this case is incredibly new. Um, but if anyone is listening, um, the police are looking for other people that have been involved in this. You can call 253-798-7724 uh, and speak to the authorities. Um, but it's, it's, it's a terrifying, terrifying situation to think about we traced the call it's coming from inside the house you hear me it's coming from inside the house 